tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. You can speak to Emma uh, on that. She'd be delighted to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's show, we hear from Tipperary people around the world. We have a look back on this year's international events with uh, Dr. Anthony O'Halloran live in studio with us. Farming with uh, Katrina, Muriel Cuddy will uh, have our health slot for us. And uh, live music in studio as well with uh, Gay Brazel and Maria O'Shea Enright. And I'm really looking forward to that. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We have that uh, great prize for you as well to celebrate 40 years in business. Hall at Arms, they've given us €500 Euro in cash to give away. We're giving that away tomorrow on the show. We're looking for another finalist uh, today. You know the score at this stage, I would imagine. Uh, all you have to do is identify a TV show from 1982. Um, uh, by listening to the theme music from it. So I'm going to give you a listen right now. What uh, do you think this is? Oh, I loved uh, that show and it's still uh, being uh, rerun on some of the uh, satellite channels. Can you identify the show? If you can, 083 311 uh, Give us the name of the TV show from 1982 along with uh, your details and uh, we'll pop you in the draw and uh, indeed a happy birthday to Hall Alarms celebrating 40 years in business. Quick look at the headlines, Irish Daily Mail. Um, they're running a story that uh, Leo Varadkar has said he would resign as a member of Fianna if the party entered into coalition with Sinn Féin and the Taoiseach says in a TV interview to be aired tonight I'd be totally against it I could not lead my party into coalition with Sinn Féin right across the newspapers today coverage of uh, Vladimir Zelensky's visit to Washington to meet with uh, Joe Biden lots of uh, photographs there of that rather historic occasion the Irish Times plan to boost renewable energy and public transport the government unveiled its uh, latest climate action plan yesterday making fresh commitments to extend renewable energy expand public transport and reduce private car use uh, to uh, reduce Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions and again coverage of Zelensky's visit to Biden yesterday on the Times to the Irish Examiner and uh, sad news indeed the young girl from Glanmire in Cork has become the fourth child to die this year from a rarer form of the bacterial infection strep A uh, to the Irish Examiner and their lead story uh, judge criticises lawyers for referring clients to medics, a High Court judge has criticised the inappropriate practice of solicitors referring clients to uh, medical professionals as he dismissed two personal injury claims following a minor tip. And also coverage across the uh, newspapers today that Enoch Burke was released from jail last night after a judge said it was intolerable for the taxpayer to have to pay for his incarceration as well as his wages. And uh, it's understood that the teacher's 108-day stint in prison for contempt of court has cost around €25,000. You and I have been paying for that, so dwell on that for a few moments. That's a look 
and what's making headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that, again, 0833113311. Now, we continue our tour around the world to those who are spending Christmas overseas. Shane McCormick is a Clan Bell man, and he joins me now from China. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you keeping? I'm very well indeed. But more importantly, how are you keeping, Shane? How are things in uh, Beijing? Uh, I'm fine, yeah. I'm grand. Uh, Beijing is starting to open up a bit again now, thankfully. Um, There was a massive U-turn there in the COVID restrictions last week. So they just, I think they just said, let let everyone have it now. So in one week, I think, I don't know anybody who hasn't got COVID now at this stage. So, uh, but, but, but before that, they had strictly locked down once again, Shane. What, what was that like? Uh, yeah, it was a bit, bit of madness, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm working in a school over here, and we haven't been working in a month now again. And this has been happening a lot uh, over the last three years. But um, the lockdowns weren't as bad this time as before. You know, you could still mm-hmm. go out. Um, but thankfully now you don't get sent away to these... COVID hospitals anymore. You can do your stint at home. And they don't even check anymore here now. It's gone like what it would be like back home, almost. Right. And what about Christmas then, Shane? <laughs> how, how will you spend Christmas? Um, me and a few of my friends will just meet up and um, my plan is to go to someone's house and we've all ordered food in Turkey and and that. So, uh, it's almost like a similar scenario to what's at home. It's just you're missing the family element. Of it, you know? but yes. We'll still have a Christmas Day over here. It's uh, not celebrated over here as a, as a holiday as such. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is there any sort of the emblems of Christmas or any decorations or anything like that there? No. No. Well, I have a I have a very cute Christmas tree up in my house there. Yes. But apart from that, no. <laughs> not really, no. Right, so the Chinese, they, they don't even sort of recognise that people like yourself will be celebrating this time of year, no? No, well, a lot of them would. The, the younger generation would. Um, mm. The older generation, they have their own Chinese New Year that will be happening in January, and uh, that's kind of their Christmas, you know. So, But there's a lot of foreigners out here. I have a good few friends out here now, so it does feel like Christmas when you're when you're with them, you know, when you're in the pub and having a few drinks. Thankfully, the pubs are back open now, so I can go out and have a few pints now. Which is very good so, indeed, yeah. good And is is there a pub culture there, Shane? I mean, can you go to a bar and have a few drinks like we would here? Yeah, oh, there is, yeah. There's a big pub culture here, yeah. Mm. There is. There's an Irish bar here called Paddy O'Shea's, and uh, it's a sports bar. And um, I play football for a Be- Beijing Celtic soccer team, so we go back there after every match and we have three teams. It's a big, it's a big scene. There's a hurling and football team over here, um, so we all go back. There's a big pub scene, yeah, yeah. You'll always find one of us in one of the pubs anyway. <laughs> I, I love the notion of Beijing Celtic. I think, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Beijing Celtic, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and are the Chinese people as part of that club as well? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. mainly Irish, but there's a few English and there's a few there's a Brazilian. There's few French and, and there's a few Chinese on it as well. And we play in a league against other foreign teams, but there's also Chinese teams there. There's a Japanese team, a Russian team. So it's it's all mixed. That's it's good crack now. It's good crack. I, I, I'm sure it is indeed. And how are you feeling about staying on at this point? I mean, is this from your home for the next uh, few years, Shane, or what? what's the plan? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to plan um, with the 
the last few years have been difficult enough over here with constantly closing down things mm. and opening up and not not working and then working. And but I think uh, once once February comes around after Chinese New Year, I think we'll be back to work and everything will be back to normal. So I'll give it another year anyway. And I'll see how I am. Mm. Uh, it's fairly. It's a, it's an easy lifestyle over here. You don't have the same stresses as back home. You don't need a car over here. Um, like the electricity bills, you wouldn't even feel that over here because it's very cheap compared to back home. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't feel the the cost of living over here as much as you would back home. That's very interesting because we were speaking to Neil yesterday in Australia and he was making the point that he'd love to come back home. But again, when he makes a comparison between the kind of money he would make and, you know, the availability of a house and property and all of that, he'd find it very hard to make that decision. Are you, are you getting to that place, Shane? I'm Yeah, I'm at that place. And I think a lot of foreigners over in... I call myself a foreigner when you're in China, yeah. but a lot of, a lot of people... Um, over in China who are foreigners have been considering this for a long time. Um, I mean, when, you, when when I do add up the things going back home, it's a very costly decision to make when you go back home because, again, trying to find a house to rent back home, will you be renting for the rest of your life back home? Is it possible to even get a mortgage now for a young person? I don't even know anymore uh, the way things have gone. All I hear from my friends back home is, is people are struggling with the, the price of bills and stuff, so... When you weigh that up against what, what's going on over here, it's, it's very difficult to leave, to go back home, you know. Can I, can I ask you about taxation over there, <coughs> income tax and the like, Shane? What's the story with that? Yeah, there's, a, there is, there's income tax over here, but it's, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that high. It wouldn't be as high as Ireland anyway. Um, and the way, as a foreigner, you're, you're kind of given a bit of special treatment over here. So your, your employer actually pays your tax a lot, but you pay a small bit and your employer pays a lot of it. Well, so it's kind of done, it's kind of done a, different, a different way. Yeah. And you say you don't need a car, so services are pretty okay, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, um, I have an electric scooter. Um, I think it goes up to, I don't know, 30, 40 kilometres an hour or something like that. Mm. And uh, you just charge the battery at, at the night, night time and go, off you go in the daytime. Um, and again, you wouldn't feel the cost of charging that. It might cost probably 25 cents to fill up the battery, the charge. You know, and that will do you for two or three days or something, you know. So, um, and and it, the location where you are in Beijing, where I am in Beijing, is you can get anywhere on your scooter. You know, there is there is like the subway system and there's taxis mm. everywhere, you know, like so and again the taxis are if you're going if you're going ten kilometers away a taxi might cost you two euro, maybe. Wow. Two euro two euro. Well it's a, you know, it's, so it's, it's incredible. So again you you'd find it hard to make that decision, I suppose, to to up sticks and, and come home. Uh, do you want to say hello to people back home for Christmas, Shane? I do, I do. I have a few people, so if you don't mind that. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I shout out, I shout out to, to Martha Hickey, my aunt. Um, a big hello to her and a Merry Christmas. My brother Alan, uh, my sister Susan, and their families and their kids. Um, I want to give a, um, my cousin Brian Hickey, Michelle, Mandy, and their kids and everything. Um, Philip Ryan, my friend. And uh, a, a, special, a special shout out to Kathleen from the dispensary in Kilsheelan. Uh, she's a very good friend of my aunt, and and I know her very well. She's in hospital at the moment, so I want to say I did get well soon to her, and uh, her son Thomas is looking after her there. So 
Well, Shane, we look forward to seeing you home. Well, when will you come home for a break or have you any plans at the moment? Yeah, I'll be home. I'll definitely be home in the summer. I'll come home for maybe a month in the summer anyway. Right. I do have plans to come home. So I'm looking forward to getting maybe play a, a hurling match or two when I'm back. Jesus, I've missed the hurling over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish you the very best and have a wonderful happy Christmas. I hope you might drop into studio and see us uh, when you get home, Shane. I will, of course. Yeah, yeah I will, you, of course. You'd be welcome no here anytime. All, yeah. Take good care of yourself. Happy Christmas, Shane. The same to you, Fran, and everybody in tips. Bye Thanks bye. very much. Bye-bye, you know. Bye-bye. That's Shane McCormick there from Clanmel. Uh, now in Beijing, in China, let us go to Australia once again. Let's go to Sydney this time and uh, to Meg Sheedy. Meg, good morning to you. Hiya, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Meg. And uh, how are you? How are you getting on to Sydney? Because you're not there too long, are you? Yeah, no, I'm here since August. So I came over on a working holiday visa and I plan to stay the year and maybe another year after that. So it's getting on great. Very good indeed. So what do you, what do you make of Sydney so far? Yeah, I love it. Like, I'm in the centre of Sydney. I'm riding out for a racehorse trainer, Chris Waller. So we kind of live the life. You ride out in the morning, go back a few evenings a week, do evening stables, and you kind of get to see the whole Sydney city life while we're doing it. So it's a great opportunity. Yeah, amazing. I'm absolutely loving every bit of it. The weather now, to be fair, it's kind of like Ireland at the moment. Since I've been here, it's kind of rainy and stuff, but it's starting to pick up a little bit. It's been in the high 30s this weekend, apparently. Oh, stop. We're we're, we're getting jealous here now. Um, the, the social life there, Meg, uh, would, that be, would that be attractive and good? Yeah, like, it's good. The hours I work, working in a racing yeah. yard, we're in at yeah. around 4am in the morning, and we're done around half nine, and we go in around two o'clock in the evening, then till five. So we're kind of, we, we go out together for a few drinks or a bit of dinner after work, but we're in bed pretty early, so we don't really get to see the real social life of Sydney. Right, but I, I'm sure over, over Christmas you might do so. I believe there's lots of Irish out there, Meg, so it's probably home from home oh, in a lot of ways. Old. Yeah, I've met a lot of people like through mutual friends that I knew from home, people that I didn't necessarily know when I came over, but we had loads of mutual friends. There's a huge Irish population out here, especially in the racing industry. Yeah, and you're originally from Templemore, is that right? Yeah, I'm Templemore home and bred. And and lots of people listening to us, I know this morning, lots of the relations uh, listening as well. Is it something you'd like to do for a period of time, Meg, or do you see yourself setting up uh, home there? Yeah, I think I think it's just like a period of time. Come out here, experience it, have a bit of fun, and I definitely think I'll be going home. Our, like Tipperary, Templemore is my home. I think it always will be. Hmm. And what about the opportunities, though, that uh, are out there? You know, are they yeah. attractive? There is, like, over here in terms of race, and, like, it's, there's good money to make, there's a good lifestyle, but I, I don't know, I'm a home bird, so home will always be home for me, but, like, there is opportunities to be made. Yes, and were you homesick at the start? Did you find it difficult? A little bit, but because, I think it's because there's such a big Irish population over here, we kind of all gel together and we're just, we're getting on well together and we know that eventually we will be going home, so it's not as hard. Yes. Is there an appreciation of the Irish in the equine business uh, over there? I mean, we, we like to think that we're pretty much at the centre of the world where horses are concerned. Is, is, is that our reputation in Australia? 
Yes, big time. People appreciate that. The Irish people are known for the people of the horse and it's the land of the horse and they just, they will take on any Irish person if they come in the morning. They just love, it's a good good way with horses. We understand them, we know them, we're born and reared around them and the Australians really, really appreciate that. I'd love to, I mean, one of the things I'd love to see in Sydney is that beautiful uh, opera house and that beautiful design yeah, there. Did, yeah. did you get to see it? Yeah, it's spectacular. I've gone in a few times with my friends and um, it's just, it's something that's breathtaking. It's a beautiful building. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it because the image of it out onto the harbour there is absolutely uh, gorgeous. How long do you think you'll stay, Meg, or is it, you know, it, will you decide it as, as things go on? I'll see. I'll kind of see how things go on. At the moment, I have the year's visa and that'll open up onto a second year visa and I'll see how I'm going, mm. sort of a thing. All right. So, and for Christmas Day and the like, what will you do? So I'm spending Christmas Day with my grand-aunt who actually lives over here. It's my granddad's sister, Noreen. She's in Sydney, so I'm going to spend it with her and Mary, her other sister. Ah, very good. So it will be a traditional Christmas, I suppose. Yeah, re- reuniting with family. Ah, it's lovely indeed. Do you want to say hello to the people back home, Meg? Yeah, I just want to say a shout-out to Tyke and Deirdre Sheedy and a special shout-out to Paddy and Angela Maguire. And a happy Christmas to everyone. Well, we want to wish you a very, very happy Christmas indeed. Have a lovely time and look after yourself. Happy Christmas, Meg. Thank you very much. Many happy returns. Thank you and bye-bye to you now. That's Meg Sheedy there from Templemore, a homebird as she describes herself, and uh, living in lovely Sydney in Australia, and she will celebrate her Christmas there. 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Emily White is in Cashel. Hello, Emily. And uh, Emily says, uh, good morning, Fran. Loving the show. Great to hear the people from abroad. My own son, uh, Adam, and his girlfriend, Roisin, are in Melbourne, Australia, since October for two years. So it will be a lonely Christmas without them both. Indeed, it will, I'm sure, Emily. And uh, we wish you well and a happy Christmas uh, to you. Um, Noel was in touch and he joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Hello, Fran, and thank you very much for having me. Great, great to chat with you, Noel. Tell me about your experience of uh, A&E, Noel. Well, I was in there back about two weeks ago, and I went to the, do you know where you go to, the, where the waiting room door was? You go in there, and I was, I was there was five ambulances out, out in front of me, and I overheard a fella said, it's going to be at least five hours before you'll be seen in A&E. Wow. And was five it five hours. hours before you were seen? Before, well, I, I didn't bother waiting. I oh, just walked you? away again just as quick as I as I went in there again. Right. Because I did not, I wasn't waiting five hours. Right. And were, were, were you unwell, Noel? I mean, well, you... yes, I, I, I have problems with the stomach. Right. And I have to go in there, I'll say regularly. Yeah. And I, I that was the, that was the longest I ever, I ever had to wait was five hours. Right. And what about GP or what about, well, you know, care doc or? Well, I tell you, I tried to ring care doc before that and you're waiting 45 minutes on the phone for them. 
Right. Because you have to ring a central service, haven't you? Yeah. And then they, you have to ring, they you have to ring, I think you ring Carlo. Yeah. And you cannot get a care doc at least for 45 minutes. My wife tried tried them before that. She was waiting 25 minutes. And even she hung up with that. Right. And uh, what happens then is, of course, they, they call you back with uh, an appointment then uh, at that yeah, point. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. Like, it, no, wonder, no wonder there's an overcrowding in any at the moment. Right, because you see, the hope is the hope is that primary care would take up the slack on this, and it would stop probably people like yourself, Noel, from being in A and E. But that's not working. That's what you're telling me, is it? Yes, it's not working because care doctors doesn't answer the phones half the time. Mm. Yeah, it's actually it was there back about three weeks ago. I like I I have problems with the stomach, and I'm an asthmatic, and I would have to go in and get a nebulizer from uh, say the doctor, right? Right, and. You, I had to go to the front door in Clanmill to get to get a, a, a person to answer the door. She had to fill up this form. I had to wait 25, nearly 30 minutes before I could see a doctor. Yeah, now, of course, it's all sort of infection control at hospitals now. And yeah. I know the care doc, I'm sure, would tell you they're, they're probably up to their eyes at this point. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 And no. what, what do you see as a solution, Noel? Well, solution, better management. Just, did you ever hear the expression... Too, uh, too many chiefs and not enough of Indians. And is that what you see with with the HSE? Yeah. 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 There's one person. There's the head head chief bottle washer up there, and there's and she, she's watching the small things, mm. but she's not watching the actual E and E department. Well, it's interesting to see how well Waterford Hospital is doing. Um, yeah. They seem to be able to manage things a little better than most other hospitals. So yeah. maybe we need to take a leaf out of their book. Is that what you mean? Yes, most definitely. Like, I only heard it the other day that Waterford is, is the best mm. when hospitals going. Yeah. They have no, they've had no one on trolleys. Yeah, yeah. They've no one on trolleys at all. And they so. put that down to the fact that they're... Uh, using private private beds and they're managing their A and E and they're getting people out of beds as well as quickly as possible, which yes. is which is important too. Um, oh, um, how how are you feeling now, by the way? I mean, you went away, so how did you manage your condition? Well, I had to go home and I had to I had my own nebulizer at home, and I had to go and take it. But I had to I had to get I went down to my local pharmacy in Ardfinnan and he helped me out in relation to giving me nebulizers. Right. Right. Now, only for them being on my prescription, he wouldn't be able to give them to me. Right, and of course we're hearing about more and more people now in our hospitals with COVID and with other infections and flu and yeah. all of that. kind. Of, so this isn't going to calm down in the near future. Does that make you afraid in case yeah. you have a, um, you know, a, well, in case that your illness gets worse, I suppose? Yeah, like, they, basically they should, from, from what I see, they should get rid of the small trauma any department and make it into more, say, anyone that's overcrowded, take them in there and, and start them out. All right, Noel. Well, we wish you well for Christmas and uh, I hope you get through it relatively healthy anyway. Thanks, Noel, and a happy Christmas to you. All right, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye, you know, That's Noel with his experience again of A&E and uh, we could have people on every day, I suppose, with their various experiences of how difficult it can be to get to see a doctor or uh, get uh, looked at where A&E is concerned. 083 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, joining me uh, to reflect back on 2022 and indeed a little peep forward to 2023 as well, I'm delighted to be joined by political scientist and author Dr. Anthony O'Halloran. Good morning to you, Anthony. Uh, good morning, Fran. That's great to see you. You were just telling me you've been contributing to programmes here since about 87. Have you? All, all yeah, yeah. P- pantomime. Uh, there's a man now in our Finnan uh, by the name of John O'Neill who would provide you with very precise dates. But I remember my very, very first Tip FM interview was with a lady, I think, called Peg Power. Ah, the great I, Peg I, Power. Yeah. yeah. And my good friend... Uh, very, very involved in pantomime time in our Finnan. I think it was myself and Kathleen Johnson mm. uh, gave that interview. Now, I am not going to disguise the fact, the amount of pressure that I felt going before a microphone Did for you? the first time. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, I suppose one of the things I would say, friend, maybe, and this is something you would understand, and and your 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 colleagues here. I I, I suppose, frankly, I, I marvel at people who sit here and who can do it every day in the sense that people who are in public life they seem to take this in their stride yes but I, I think for people obviously you will know for people doing it um, starting from a tabula rasa it's difficult it is. it's very it is. very difficult yes. so I, I, I see the tarnished or the Taoiseach or the ministers or a journalist and they seem to be able to speak at will and calmly on any issue with this microphone in front of them Yes. Um, I think that's great. So, but I, I remember that day well yeah. with Peg. I mean, I was really, really under pressure. As, yeah. But Funny I suppose enough, when, when I switch roles, Anthony, on the rare occasion that I would be interviewed yeah. about something, I would be a bag of nerves completely. Yeah. You know, well, it's the fear, I suppose. Again, I'm I'm very sympathetic who, to people who misspeak, friend, who mm. make a, a, an authentic mistake, um, speaking bona fide. Yes. But I think there can be a harshness out there nowadays on social media in particular, oh, yeah. even about people who misspeak. Now, we all misspeak and we say things and the words come out wrong sure. and we crumble. So I suppose the empathic side of me would tend to say, give people a break. Yes. Um, and yeah, There seems know, to be no break nowadays. No, there, Everything is no, listen, adjudicated. No, it's, you know, it's, it's awful. It's, uh, it's, yeah, so that's, a lo- that's a long time ago, friend. That's a long time ago, and I'm going to sip on a cup of coffee. And, and why not, and relax there. We're going to start, I suppose, with uh, what defined 2022 for a lot of people, and uh, that would be the, the war in Ukraine. W- would you agree with that, by the way, that it, it will, 2022 will be defined? Well, it, well, it has to be. My, uh, one, or, one or two memories. Uh, I remember looking at the Irish Times shortly after the Russian invasion, um, top of the Irish Times, and my, my heart actually went faster war in Europe. Mm. Mm. You know, students, people listening today who studied Leave and Search history, when you see that headline, yes. uh, war in Europe, um, I think I may have, I was in it you a day or two after that mm. invasion, I recall, mm. but I well, well remember returning to Arfina that night and meeting friends. Now, the atmosphere was tense, it was serious, it was um, anything I, I would say but light, uh, people were acutely aware of what was on the cards, mm. particularly in terms, I think, of the potential escalation of the war beyond conventional weapons. So I discovered, I remember coming back from Dublin, friend, and I could 
feel, absorb and discern the atmosphere. People were worried. Um, but then I was up late last night and if you said to me in February when I was in with you, mm. probably in my head I was saying Zelensky would last three or four weeks. Yes. In my head I was saying the Russian Secret Service or their equivalent would assassinate him. Mm. The cabinet will not survive. Um, Kiev will fall. And what I... Pr- I was imagining several scenarios. Uh, mm. I don't think I mentioned this in the interview. One of the scenarios I imagined was Zelensky leading a government in exile. In exile. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh, well, the, the scenario that you described there, would that not have been the case um, only for the West intervention and particularly the American Absolutely. intervention? Absolutely. Uh, that would be the case. But my understanding is that. And I think Nancy Pelosi confirmed this last night in a conversation. Mm. He was offered an exit strategy personally, in other words, to get him out of Kiev, mm. and he chose to stay. Mm. So he did make that decision. Um, so I, I think full. There is on. Mm. It's undoubtedly the case. There are two factors at play in the Ukrainian war. Uh, there is the absolute tenacity of the Ukrainian people. I, I just want to say something as well, maybe for. Ukrainian displaced people in our county today, what has really struck me, and this struck me when I visited Ukraine all those years ago, including the University of Donetsk, what really struck me was, and is striking me every day, and I'm curious even, Fran, if you could maybe give me a reply to this, when I see the Ukrainians talking on television, what I encounter is a quiet dignity. Mm. Mm. Now, I find it extraordinary that that quite dignity can be a character feature given the extreme circumstances they are facing on a daily basis. But to answer your question directly, yes, um, the American intervention. Mm. And Biden now is trying to give so much, but he's also watching Mm. the borders, the boundaries, because he doesn't want to overstep boundaries and maybe antagonise Putin But are you not afraid? I mean, now we have the introduction of the Patriot uh, missiles in there with, you know, a possible escalation because of that. And Putin is making the point that this is more sort of aggravation as far as he's concerned. Does that trouble you? Because everything that worried us in the first few weeks still worried me greatly. Yeah, yeah, it it worries me. Um, Again, I, I would say it has been a regular feature of news commentary since February that the idea of an atomic uh, bomb exploding yes. is now back in the public realm. Now, I remember in the 1980s, those of us who went to secondary school in the 1980s, Fran, that existential crisis was not theoretical at all mm. because we were at the height of the Cold War. Mm. So am I, am I worried that this could escalate out of control? Yes. Um, on the whole, I think Biden has excelled in terms of the Ukrainian crisis. Um, he's balancing costs and mm. benefits with regard mm. to every decision. Zelensky last night, before the United States Congress, the Senate and the House, um, he actually said to the, to the ladies and gentlemen present, mm. I want more. Mm. So mm. at one level, Zelensky is pressurising Biden to give more. Mm. Uh, whilst Biden is saying, I can give you so much. And the Republican Party, the right wing now of the Republican Party, apparently, they're coming at 
uh, this in a different way, they are in particular, I think, objecting to uh, the amount of money being yes. spent. So it'll be interesting to watch um, when Nancy Pelosi resigns um, and Speaker McCarthy, possibly, not probably, probably more than possibly, mm. takes over. Uh, to what extent, if at all, he can manage the right wing of the Republican Party? Yeah, it'll be, and, and that would be Trump's crew, essentially, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, that would be Trump's crew, essentially. And it would be the mindset there, and I want to mention this in an event because I, I think one of the most appalling incidents during, I, I suppose, my observations of the United States politics, there was the assault on Paul Pelosi, which mm. was awful. Mm. But I have to say, and I, and I think most of your listeners would agree, the spin, the nefarious spin was that was put on that by the far right in the United States was just incredible. Mm. The man had been beaten with a hammer over yeah. his head. It's, it's, it's very worrying, isn't it's, it's, it? It's very, very again, worrying. Again, uh, you know, yes. Uh, you, you must have been rather happy, though, to see that um, that recommendation from the Justice Department on Monday that Trump would be criminally prosecuted now for what happened uh, with the attack on the Capitol. Are you, does that make you... Yeah, 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 it's a recommendation. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's only a recommendation. recommendation. Yes. Um, they, yeah. they, it's, it's, they have no particular authority in this matter other than yeah. to recommend. Um, the, there's now a special counsel in charge, actually. Yeah. Um, the, the Department of Justice can, if they so wish, choose to simply ignore. Mm. Um, I, I think the issue around the January 6th committee for me, and I actually thought it would be a waste of time. I said this is going to be futile. Yes. I think where they came into their own, two, two, two respects. One, it was bringing together the footage was superb, the way that the footage of January the 6th. And the second aspect where I think they did really well, and this is a day I, I, I didn't think I'd ever see. I'm observing US politics for a long time, Fran. Liz Cheney was fronting yeah. a lot at the time. Yeah. Now, this is Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are so... It's difficult to overemphasize the extent to which they are embedded in Republican Party political culture. So that was a huge move for her. A very, I'm going to say as well, a very brave move. And people say we use the word bravery too lightly. Sadly, in the United States now, Fran, if you become a Republican in name only, or if you step outside the boundaries, um, what comes with that very often is um, light, threats to your life and threats to life of your family. So it is a very consequential decision, personally, for Liz Cheney, to engage in something like that. Can we move to the UK then? Um, and what what a year. I mean, you know, where would you even begin? Uh, Liz Truss, I suppose. Um, what? A, how did that even come about when you think about it, you know? I, I think it was a deeply dysfunctional period in, in British politics, yeah. number one. Um, it came about in terms of the dynamic, which it, where you have an electoral college of highly invested Tory party members um, whose views and sentiments do not chime with the population at large. Mm. Now, party political members, generally, Fran, around the world, will be much more invested in politics than Jack, Mary, Joe or John outside. Uh, So uh, she played that base. But the great difficulty about politics is you can play a particular violin in opposition 
or if you're a candidate. But the minute you walk into government buildings yes. or into number 10 Downing Street and you get the keys, you're confronted with a different reality. Yes, of course. Now, she tried to circumvent the realities. Uh, she sacked um, the senior advisor um, at the Treasury. I think his name was John Scholar. Why did she sack him? Because John Scholar was an official who was going to tell her as it is, mm. and, and to and, how, and avoided all the budgetary um, advice. As well, well, that's that's the thing, Anthony. I mean, how did they think that economic um, structure would would fly? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know because um, what they did was, I might even I think I scribbled down a stat here last night. They were providing for, if you think about this now, yes, forty five billion of unfunded tax cuts. Now, typically under Keynesian economics, Fran, you will know from the programme here and discussions, it's, it can be justified in the sense of what can be justified is investment in long-term infrastructure, mm, okay? Mm. Uh, building hospitals, building roads. Yes. Uh, but to, to go into that scenario for unfunded tax cuts of $45 billion, was extraordinary. So what she was doing was she wanted the best of everything. She wanted tax cuts. Uh, she wanted um, to borrow to fund the tax cuts. And I think she wanted to, to cut public spending as well, but might have been somewhat reluctant to do so. Mm. But it led to a very a, a near, near, I think, um, enough um, profound economic crisis. Yes. I think they went went to the brink because mm. I, I was struck at how the language of Ireland in 2010 do you remember all the language about bonds? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. And the when they were trying to sell the bonds and people often ask me what are bonds by the way and bonds are simply IOUs yeah. by governments. There's nothing too complex about them so the government says this is an IOU um, we'll pay you back in a certain time and there's an interest rate attaching to it. But of course, interest rates started to go up and the, the, those who were buying the bond purchasers uh, were losing confidence. And then, of course, that had huge implications as well for the pension fund scenario. But it was the extent, uh, I think, to which she and her colleagues it was a very, very short premiership. I'm looking at my de- dates here, Fran, mm. the shortest in UK history. It my notes say the 6th of September to the 25th of October, October. Yeah. in the same year, yeah. okay? Which is incredible, um, And it? also, I think there was four chancellors of the Exchequer. So it is, for me, a little bit frightening and scary, to go back to your question, in terms of governance, mm. that the checks there failed. Yes. The checks failed. But it was those promises of that ridiculous economic sort of approach that got her the gig in the first place. Yeah, and that's that's why that's why um it's the juxtaposition is the mismatch between the sentiments of the Tory party members in the Shires and uh, and the sentiments of the population at yes. large. Uh, there's a total disconnector. Um because to put it in very very simple terms, the Tory party membership are not representative of public opinion in the broad sense. Uh, so that's what happened. Can we talk about a couple of other things as well? I mean, Afghanistan is the well... Uh, the, oh, dear the, Lord, the, the yes. Women, the women banned from university attendance are even from taking their exams. Is this reverting back to the 1990s, that extreme sort of policies of the of the, the Taliban? Is that is that it? Um, 
I'm as 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 of as of um as of last night as of last night the the, the it, it only came out in the news last night. The, the Taliban now in Afghanistan have official, officially banned women from attending universities. Um, so the answer is yes. The, I think the reality is entirely expected. Uh, women will play a subordinate and role uh, their preferred status from the point of view of the Taliban is that they should be invisible in the public realm. Mm. That is the reality. And, of course, that's a classic ploy. Why do you stop women going to university? The last thing they want is articulate women capable of challenging them in the public realm, uh, capable of organising against them. Uh, So one way of uh, frustrating the efforts of those who uh, oppose the regime there is to stop women women from um, attending mm. university. I often I often say to my students, friend, like the most important and the most profound question in history, uh, particularly when we're discussing authoritarian regimes, is that moment when when Fran or Anthony sits back and says, "Why? Mm. Why?" A lot of people are asking, "Why? Why am I, as a human being, uh, deemed?" to be subordinate because I am a woman. And the reality is there's absolutely nothing uh, people within Afghanistan can do about it because it's akin now to... And, and what about, I mean, that rather clumsy way that the Americans left Often, Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, was Often. there not an agreement, though, with the Americans about how women would be treated? I thought that was part of some sort of a... No, that, 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 that I, I, I don't know if there was. I, the answer is I don't know if there was a, an agreement per se, but if you're to ask me would have I would I have any confidence if members of the Taliban, senior members, uh, said to me something along the lines, uh, "We are genuinely committed to equality of treatment in terms of all citizens, uh, universal rights for all citizens, including women." I would have entirely disregarded um, the veracity of that statement from the Taliban. Of course, I would. Yes. Of course, I would. They, no. They, so they, it was inevitable. That would be my judgment, yes. and I think that that was. And that Anthony, was, that was, how separate is academia in in Afghanistan? I'm just wondering if they can do anything because I know some guys went out in support of the women and refused to take their own exams, and that's. But how how powerful is academia standing on its own? If you know what I mean. In, in I, I, I would. I, the answer is I don't know, friend. I can't give you a factual answer. I would speculate. And I think it's plausible speculation uh, that there's no such thing as on their own in right. in um, Afghanistan at the moment. And what what do I mean by on their own? Uh, for a functioning democracy to work, a functioning civil society is essential. By which I mean organisations which are separate and distinct from the state, and organisations which will challenge the state as required. Uh, so authoritarian regimes want a very weak civil society. Yes. They do not want a society where organisations flourish. Now, this might sound a little bit odd, and this is something I wa- I wa- I've wanted to say on radio for a long time. Democratic culture very often starts at the village club. And you might say, what has that got to do with national politics? You have elections at an AGM. You have votes at the AGM. You have a constitution 
you have rules which have to be abided. Mm. So that that micro democracy, those yes. micro democratic practices across Tipperary, you know, the small villages like the places where I was born and where I come from, where I live now, thank God. All of those spaces at the micro community level are um, demo- democratic frameworks. In places like Afghanistan, um, what authoritarian r- regimes want to do, they want to shut down those civil society uh, structures because, again, organisations are places where people learn about democratic practices. So I wouldn't see, I would have no sense at all, Fran, of any kind of a civil society existing. By civil society, I define as those organisations separate and distinct from the state and which are quite willing, which are quite willing to criticise the state of Nestor. You have civil society in here five days a week. You don't even think about it, do you? No, you, not at all. No, that's the way things are. That's the way things yeah, are. Yeah. But let's let's say it as we head into Christmas. Let's say it to our beloved uh, citizens of this beautiful county, uh, that is not a feature of many many countries in the world where heads of organisations can phone you up today and severely criticise the ministers of yes. the day yeah. and mobilise against the ministers of the day. So. Um, and we don't always appreciate it, do we? I, yeah, we don't. I, I, I yes. preach it. I preach it. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm i very preachy on this one. I'm, I'm just about out of time. I have about 60... Are we out of time again? Out of time again. <laughs> I have 60 seconds, though, and I'd love to spend that 60 seconds just on, on China because I'm confused, Anthony. I'm hearing about the economic difficulties of China and still I'm hearing about the importance of China in, in uh, the world and their tentacles uh, moving out. What is the what is the reality? Well, the reality is that there are significant trading, trading partners with the United States number one. And the second reality is that United States consumers buy a lot of Chinese goods. Uh, the third reality, I think, Fran, is uh, United States provides um, some goods to them as well. So there's a really, 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 really strong trading yes. relationship. Um, the, and the Chinese leadership? Uh, Chinese leadership, what I, uh, again, just checked again, uh, the president, there, there is, my understanding is now there is no longer a term limit no, for he, the president. He got rid of that. He, yeah, he, yeah, I think he's in his yeah. third term. Yes, he is. But again, how would you describe China? Again, you've got to change your mindset. China is a police state. Full stop. And you saw even when there was embryonic attempts at protest recently how the police state system tries to, and in this case, successfully um, suffocated um, any attempts to critique the government via freedom of yes. assembly. And we all remember Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. Yeah. So the, the, my first point of reference to China is it's a police state, it's an authoritarian regime. Again, there is no such thing as no. freedom of the media in China. I mean, p- Chinese people do not have the privilege of listening to a conversation between Anthony and, and Fran yes. around hopefully an objective critique of the status quo. Uh, that would never happen. That would never, never happen. That would uh, that would never happen. Uh, so it's a regime, really, which started off on the far left. I think it's quite laissez-faire now in some respects, mm. Mm. internally, um, economically. Uh, but yes, as, as a trading block, as a trading block, they are very, very, very important. 
um, on the world stage. Anthony, it's always a pleasure. I hope you come back to us early in the new year as well and have a happy Christmas. Um, um, happy happy Christmas and it's been a pleasure coming in, Fran. And uh, again, um, I have to say it's a particular pleasure to be in the studio. I love it. Well, you're, you're welcome here anytime, Dr. Anthony O'Halloran. Thank you. Um, news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Now our giveaway to celebrate 40 years in business. Hall Alarms, they're based here at Girton Floor Business Park in Clonmel. They've given us a 500 euro cash. Wonderful prize to give away now. They've been serving commercial, domestic and industrial customers for over 40 years at this point and they're licensed installers of fire alarms, intruder alarms, CCTV, access control, emergency lighting, gate automation systems. They do it all. Uh, so to be in a chance, uh, in with a chance indeed of winning the 500 euro, we're going to play the theme music to some well-known TV show from the year uh, 1982, which was the year the Hall Alarms was born, you see. So we'll have a, another qualifier today if you can identify the TV show from this theme music. Oh, I think that's kind of easy, isn't it? So 083-311-3311, if you give us your answer, your name and your details, so we will pop you in at the draw and towards the end of the programme, uh, we will pick a finalist. And of course, tomorrow on the programme, we will give away €500 Euro in cash, courtesy of our friends at Hall Alarms. And now Thomas Leamy is residing in a very beautiful part of the world indeed, the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal. And Thomas joins me now. Thomas, good morning to you. Good morning to you, friend. Great to connect. And great to connect with you as well. Now, we would imagine that you're living the life out there in the Azores. What's the weather like there this morning? Well, that's a very good question because I think the Azores, when people hear about it first, they think maybe it's in the Caribbean or near the Bahamas or something, but it's actually nine rocks in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, about a thousand miles west of Lisbon. So it gets tropical storms a lot it's very windy it has a subtropical climate i think it it reminds me of if hawaii and ireland had a baby you would get the azores because it's very <laughs> it's very green it's very lush it's very tropical year-round average temperatures of 17 but it never goes above 30 so it's ideal in many ways and a part of the world i didn't know much about before I came here. It sounds absolutely wonderful. How did you end up there, Thomas? Yeah, so I was living in the wonderful town of Feathert for a year in Coolmoyne, Feathert. Mm -hmm. And with my wife, who's from America, we decided to move back to Tipperary just to be nearer family from Greece, where we were living at the time. Mm -hmm. 
in the COVID time. So as soon as restrictions were lifted, we said, if we can be near our family, let's be near our family. So we moved to Ireland for a year, but that was always a temporary plan. So then after that great year in Feathered, we said, let's go somewhere else. And luckily, we can work remotely. So I simply Googled safest places COVID-19 and a list of destinations came up like the Azores Islands, Madeira, Portugal, um, Porto. I mean, I think it was sponsored by the Portuguese government. Mm -hmm. But regardless, we said, let's go to the Azores. And that was over a year ago. And we haven't looked back since. And how have you fitted in there into communities and the like, Thomas? Well, that's a great question. And I think we've been very lucky in ways. Like, we've fallen on our feet. It's I work in a co-working space, and uh, that itself is like a hive of entrepreneurial activity. I have friends from Belgium, from America, from Germany, from California. And that in itself lends itself to creating a strong community. And then on the other side, we've become very close with a local Portuguese family here who will be spending Christmas with as well. As I say, it sounds just uh, wonderful indeed. And uh, the nature of your own business would be what? So I do a type of consulting. First and foremost, I work in leadership development, so helping companies reduce stress to increase performance. And then on the other track, I do a type of consulting called nation branding, so helping governments attract an investment. That sounds a very exciting job uh, in, indeed. much more exciting than it is, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> Tell me about Christmas there. Is, is it, will, it be, will it be celebrated differently to, to at home? Well, I was thinking about the differences before this call, and I think what I came to the conclusion of that Christmas, really, like, we... We've grown up in Ireland with an idea of kind of snowy, cold, big, big movie style Christmas. Mm. And that's what we secretly all long for, I think, in Ireland. But really, I think Christmas is a state of mind. Mm. And here, um, you know, there's different traditions. Like there's something called the Day of the Windows on December 8th, where all businesses bring their best goods to the front of the shop in a kind of a commercial competition. For dinner... The big dinner is on Christmas Eve, and there's no such thing as turkey and ham. It's actually codfish or octopus and special cabbage. And someone asked me recently what's special about the cabbage, and I have to say, I'll tell you after, because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but Brussels sprouts won't uh, present themselves, I guess, no. Probably not, Probably. but you never know. <laughs> you never know, indeed. How unlucky you could be, I suppose, yeah. Will it, can I ask you, will it be home for you for the foreseeable future, Thomas, or how are you looking at your time in the Azores? Well, it kind of, it, it just kind of fell into place, as I said, but I believe we'll be here for most of 2023. My wife is from Virginia in the States, so we kind of joke that this is halfway between Ireland and America. <laughs> yes. Um, so I can't uh, predict where we'll be at the end of next year. But our track record would say that we may be somewhere else. But I have to say that we are very, very happy in the Azores at this point in time. I'd love, particularly with your 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 background and your view from a distance, so to speak, of the situation in Ireland at the moment. As you well know, at this point, where 
uh, suffering very high cost of living, energy costs going through the roof here. People struggling uh, a little bit. We're depending on a corporate tax. If that ever sort of disappears, I don't know what will happen to us. Um, your view from abroad, so to speak, Thomas, would be what? Well, I guess, could you refine the question a bit more, Brian? <laughs> Just in terms, I suppose, of the political situation here and, you know, people feeling badly done to at times in terms of how they're looked after. And when, when you look at that from outside of the country, I'm just wondering what view you have of it. Yeah, OK. So I guess I'm actually in the, the court of opinion that the government is doing a good job in Ireland. And I think the amicable relationship between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is to be commended for the good of the country. I think Neil Martin, you know, I wouldn't have been his biggest fan, but I think he did a good job in his time as Taoiseach. But to your point on corporation tax, yes, it's clear that Ireland is very reliant on it. And by no means am I an economist, but I think that diversification into different industries or different sources of income for the country would be a smart idea in the next five years or so. But, I mean, in terms of cost of living, I absolutely see it everywhere around the world. You know, in America, there's we have a lot of family there as well. People are struggling. In Ireland, absolutely, energy prices skyrocketing. So um, we even see it here in the Azores because we're very remote. We mm. need to import a lot of, of um, goods and services. So prices are, are skyrocketing as well. But look, a good friend of mine often says that it's like water, it will find its level. So I guess it's hard to see now, but hopefully it's like a storm passing through. And sometimes when you're in the jar, you can't read the label. So let us maintain hope. Hey, and, and hope is so important indeed. I know you want to say hello to some people that uh, tuned our way this morning, Thomas. Absolutely. Well, firstly, to my parents, Mary and Sean Levy in Rossgrave, big hello to them, and my brother Mike and his lovely wife Martina as well in Derry Moor. I'll have to say hello to my auntie Mary, Mary Levy, and Peg O'Neill as well, and then to the south of the county to Sean O'Donovan and all residents of Cool Moyne in Tipperary, including the Mulcahy's. Very good indeed. Well, we want to wish you and your lovely wife a very happy Christmas in the Azores, Thomas. And it was lovely to chat to you today. Look after yourself, won't you? You too, friend. Lovely to chat to you and happy Christmas to you and yours. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Thomas Leamy live from the Azores. It sounds so beautiful and exotic, doesn't it, uh, this morning? 1800-938-007. Let's go to the UK now. Let's go to Manchester, in fact. And Dave Fogarty is there for us. Dave, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And great to talk to you today. Where, where are you from back home, Dave? I'm from Cairo County, Tipperary, originally. Um, uh, but I've been over here now for 30, 35 years. Wow. So, so you've seen a lot of changes there, Dave. A lot of changes in both places. I mean, I, I come home regularly. I still come home at least once a year. Yeah. Of course, in 88 in, in, in England, things were going extremely well. And then, of course, they had a big dip, didn't they? A massive crash, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, at, at that time in Ireland, you know, I, I literally I finished university on a Saturday, a, an exam, and I left on the Sunday. I left the same day that uh, no. Ireland beat England in uh, the World Cup when Ray Houghton got the goal. It's a long time ago. So there was nothing going, nothing going in Ireland at that time. 
So, so there was no question for you, Dave. You just had to go. Was that it? Well, the, the, the catchphrase was, at that time, we, I did a teaching diploma, and the catchphrase was, it was dip slot frying chips. So there was no, <laughs> there was no chance of uh, a teaching job at that point. No. Right. And did you move over to teach in Manchester then, was that? No, no, I don't. Sorry, I've, collect, I've come up to Manchester to collect my daughter, uh, Kira. Um, to take her back down to we we live in Essex. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, I've been working in Essex and London for the last thirty-four or five years. Very good. And what what do you do, Dave? Can we ask? You can. I'm a deputy head teacher in a, a big secondary school. Isn't that isn't that terrific altogether? And that those opportunities in the late eighties would not have been here for you, I suppose. No, not at all. I, I don't think so. And I, I mean, unless it's changed radically, um, I think you know the. Um, the, the, the opportunities for promotion, even if you are teaching and all, the opportunities for promotion within schools are, are fairly limited, to, in my experience, and what, talking to people that they don't have, the, the schools aren't often as big and they don't have the same sort of structures where, you know, there's heads of department, there's heads of faculty and senior teachers and deputy heads and head teacher, etc. So, no, I don't think that that opportunity would have been afforded to me if I had I stayed, even if I had managed to get into teaching. And as a young man emigrating to, to England, how how did you settle in there? Did it take some time? It certainly did. Um, I literally had a few hundred pounds in my back pocket and I you just walked into, back then you could just walk into a bank and you didn't need any ID. They just, you just told them what your name was and filled out the form and you put the money in the bank. And hmm. You got a job... Uh, Marks and Spencer's in 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 London, and and then got the teaching job, and the pay was fairly low, so I kept up the uh, the job at Marks and Spencer's every Saturday. So I was working a six day a week, and I was getting more money. Of, sorry, I wasn't getting more money. I was getting half the money for four Saturdays as I was for a full month of teaching. It's incredible. So, mm. Yeah, but I was. I mean, at that time as well. Um, there was quite a lot of still, a lot of anti-Irish feeling because uh, it wasn't that long before that the Wimpy Bar had been blown up yes, of course. In, um, in, yeah. in London. And I remember I, was, I also worked for Sainsbury's and uh, when uh, Lord Sainsbury was coming around, the um, the manager of the, the department I was working in hid me, put me into the, the warehouse. So Because the, you were Irish? Yeah, and it isn't. Wow. The, 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 it was actually joking, but not. Half joking, saying... If um, Lord Sainsbury was coming around, he would have his bodyguards, and if he heard my Irish accent, they might even, you know, <laughs> pin me to the ground. <laughs> my God, it's it's unthinkable now in a lot of ways, but that was the case, yeah. Oh, um, no, you'd be stopped. I mean, I was I was stopped uh, four, five times by police when they heard your accent. Just to say, you know, what are you doing, where are you going? And depending on how you answer them, you'd be out or let go on your way or you might be put in the back of the wagon. My God. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? How, did you choose to get involved with Irish communities over there or did you do your own thing, Dave? Bit of both, actually. Um, at that time, um, where I was, there wouldn't have been uh, an Irish club or an Irish society. Um, where I was in a place, in place called Battle and in Essex, there was a lot of Irish people um, who'd come over in the, the 50s, 60s either from um, building, or there's a, there was, at that time there was a massive Ford plant, and loads of the fellows that were there had um, chosen to come over from Cork 
because I think Ford's had shut down the, yes, the plant yeah. in Cork. But it was more through the church then. If you went to Mass, you met a lot of Irish people. And, of course, back then, all the, um, the, the churches, Catholic churches over here had a club pretty much attached mm, to them. Yeah. So, yeah, but I also did my own thing. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people go over there, well, when they did go over there back in the 70s and 80s, it kind of almost was a ghetto to some some degree in that they only socialised uh, within the Irish communities over there. Yeah, I mean, there was there was all you know, the big ballrooms, the things at the Galtine Mall yeah. in, in uh, Wilson. Yeah, they did. But uh, it wasn't, I mean, I, I, I suppose I wanted something different as well, you yeah, know? Yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, I mean, among your friends now, I guess you would... You know, count a lot of English people, and uh, it's completely broadened out for you, has it? Yeah, I mean, it's for where we live. Um, it's it's just about fifteen, twenty miles from London, mm-hmm. um, so it's very, very diverse. Yeah, I know people from of all nationalities, colours, and greeds, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, Do you come home every so often? Yeah, I come home at least once a year. Um, go home. I've got family in Clare and Arfinan. And I, you know, I I come home at least at least once a year. Very good. And again, from your perspective, can I ask you what what do you make of us here now at this point, Dave? Because you you keep in touch, so you know what's going on here. What what do you make of the Ireland of twenty twenty two going into twenty twenty three? I think it's obviously it's massively different to to when I left. It's far more um, cosmopolitan. There are lots of different peoples, nationalities. Um, from all over the world, living even in, in Tip. Um, I think you, as, as, as a country, the, I think the government, um, in, in my opinion, like your last caller there, mm. I think the government actually uh, look after um, people as best they can. I have to say far more, I, I think, than the government, the present government at least anyway, in the UK do. Um, there's a bit of me thinks that, it, you, you know, that Ireland has lost something that's, you know, quite precious, that sort of sense of community, that sense of trust that we all had in one another. When I was a kid growing up, you visited people, you know, yeah. where I grew up, you'd, you'd visit each other's houses and you'd get fed by the woman, the, the, the mother of the house, yes, yeah. you know. So that, that's gone. But I think you know, on the upside, you're a far more tolerant, um, you know, cosmopolitan and accepting community. I mean, in terms of what's happened with with people of um, you know different um, sexual persuasions, so you know yeah, the, the, sure. the gay, the gay and lesbian, transgender community, and how legislation has changed regarding yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of Irish people abroad are very proud of. You know, that is one of the one of the first countries in Europe to to make the, those changes and to be so accepting, um, and, and and that was. That was amazing for me as somebody who came from a lot of the time with a very, you know... Very good. And was that a source Catholic. of pride for you, Dave? Was that... Oh, God, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, you know, some people would um, even, you know, take the mick out of it. For, for, you know, I mean, British people said, oh, what have you done over there? You mm. used to be... This this really holy country and now conservative and all of yeah. that yeah yeah it's it's yeah. it's very interesting the the amazing thing of course from an education point of view is that we're crying out for teachers now Dave uh, there's just not enough of them to go around yeah I mean uh, I don't know you know back in the day yeah there were too many of us and then the government restricted it yeah. as, as my understanding for many many years and now it's uh, in in some ways it's backfired. Um, 
But having said that, um, there's a, a friend of mine, she's now teaching at a De La, the De La Salle um, school in Waterford. Mm. And it was like trying to jump, jump through so many hoops of increasingly smaller sizes. She had an incredibly difficult time. I don't care what anyone tells you. Actually, with having taught over here for eight or nine years, she had an incredibly difficult time getting all the paperwork back to be allowed have the privilege of going to, to teach back in Ireland. Isn't that um, incredible? Yeah. It is. I, I thought it was wrong. And, you know, she, she was so stressed mm. out. Particularly I mean, when we need experienced teachers so much, you know? Well, make it a little bit easier. Not you, the government. Make it, the Department of Education, make it a little easier for people to be able to return. Dave, would you like to say hello to uh, some of the people back in care? I certainly would, yeah. I'd like to give a big shout-out to my sister Anne and her husband Michael and our Finham, who are, I think, listening this morning. Uh, my brother John in, in care, and my sister Kitty, and my other sister um, Margaret in care. And I've got far too many nieces and nephews to be trying to mention. <laughs> well, it was most interesting to talk to you today, Dave, and we appreciate your time to come on with us. And a all happy right. Christmas to you and your family, Dave. Very happy Christmas to you too, Fran, and all your listeners. Bye bye to you now. Bye bye. That's Dave Fogarty, originally from care. Uh, living in Essex at the moment, and I think he's in Manchester, in fact, to pick up his his daughter uh, today. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, how can we approach Christmas time with a mindful attitude and avoid as much stress as possible? Well, let's find out from Miranda Meyer, who is a holistic health coach based in Clanmel. Miranda, good morning to you. Good morning to you, friend. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome indeed, and a very happy Christmas to you as well, Miranda. Um, oh, all ju- the best to you too. Thank you. I'm, I'm just thinking, I mean, you know, stress and Christmas, it almost goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, I would say. Yes. <laughs> um, because a lot of Christmas songs are telling us to be happy and jolly, isn't it? Yes. And uh, we, uh, we are bombarded with so many nice messages and uh, thinking of all the good feelings um, around Christmas. But unfortunately, what, when it comes to our daily life, our day-by-day uh, life, I think we deal with a lot of challenges. Even myself, like I'm not any different uh, myself and I can feel the pressure yes. of uh, Christmas approaching these days. But I suppose it's about managing that stress in some way, Miranda. And can you help us with that? I mean, is there, is there some way that we can go about this with the least amount of grief and hassle, I suppose? Absolutely. Like at least, at, first of all, I would say to be aware to acknowledge that we are um, coming across with a very um, challenging period. And something what we are prepared for, it doesn't take us by surprise. And that's uh, half of the work being done that way. So um, having that consciousness, becoming aware around Christmas, is the first step, what I would suggest to to everyone to do it. And... um, 
have that attitude that take back your own uh, power. Think of what, in a very mindful way, in a very mm. positive way, is this what I would love to do if was 100% up to me? So any decision what you make, uh, filtering to yourself. To yes, your because I guess, Miranda, you shouldn't be obliged to do the kind of Christmas that other people want. You know, you you should have your own thoughts and and, and what it is that makes special for you. Yes, and um, it's, it's very hard, I would say, for people to find the middle line mm. because there is a pressure of how we are used to and the society put on us that you have to spend, you have to give, you have to um, gift your loved ones. and But you have there from my perspective anyway, uh, three resources, time, energy, and finances. And my advice is from a very, from a place of love, uh, manage them well, every single one of them, because they are equal. You don't have, like, the energy is equally as important as is your time, and the time is as equally as important as your money. Because if you go out of balance in one way, you will feel unbalanced all over. And what is your advice in terms of managing, I suppose, particularly time, because, you know, people are running around everywhere at the moment. So what, what, how do you advise people to go about that in a way that's not detrimental to them? Yes, exactly. And it's a very good point. Uh, thank you for that. It's a very, quest- a very good question. Um, I'd say... Help uh, express yourself, communicate in a very lovingly way. Uh, it's not up. It's not for me this time. Just make a conscious um, choice and do what is not too much for you. Because compromise, a healthy compromise, is nothing like a healthy compromise for our um, um, mind and mm. for our healthy mind. Uh, but when we go a little bit beyond just for the sake of pleasing uh, my family or my mom or my dad or my sister or my partner or my husband or my wife, uh, is then you suffer in long term and you feel that uh, unhappiness and then grief and that sadness and then you have to deal with their reaction and you have to deal with your own reaction. So be a little bit self care, not selfish, but self-care and communicate. I don't I don't think anyone will push you if you pick up what you want in a lovingly way. The And you've spoken to me in the past about this, but I'm always fearful of the energy vampire. And, you know, we'll be thrown <laughs> into thrown into situations, whether it's work dues or whether it's family get-togethers, where we're with people that drain us in some way. Is there any way we can dilute that in some ways, Miranda? I would give you a very practical advice. Um, I am... Uh, learning myself at the moment and I find this very practical uh, bubble exercise. Imagine yourself that you are in a bubble of uh, peace and love and uh, imagine that bubble. Close your eyes for two seconds and imagine that bubble surrounds you and you are protected and go with that attitude because when you have a um, high vibration uh, you reject the other bad bad uh, vibe 
uh, if you understand what, I, I do. Uh, what I'm saying. I do, yeah. yes. So protecting yourself, surrounding yourself with that good energy, uh, dive into, tune in to that energy. It takes only 10 seconds, count to 10, and then step in, enjoy, and then all your energy will, will change, and then you will attract positive energy. And there's nothing wrong to leave a place or a conversation in peace and um, in a positive way if re- you really feel triggered inside. There is no point to stay there and suffer. You you make a very interesting point as well, you know, that particularly, I suppose, around Christmas time, it's it's time to be a little bit playful and maybe you know, to indulge our inner child in some way. And that, I presume, would be very positive for us. 100%, yeah. There is no better way to um, to have that infusion of endorphins and serotonin uh, in our brain uh, than to get playful and to leave that inner child. Our inner child is always there. Mm. Our inner child, uh, when is the best place, um, space to get uh, playful if not around Christmas? Do you still have issues with social media? Because if we have a lot of time off now, we tend to spend spend it scrolling. Um, do, do you have issues with that if we have spare time over Christmas? Um, I This is my biggest fear. I have to be very honest. This is my biggest fear. Even though one side of me as a business, are, I, I'm talking for myself as mm. well. Yes. Uh, it's very, I, I'm even thinking of putting something up there because people will be more on social media. And then I'm thinking, okay, uh, walk your talk. Uh, I would rather go and pick a book and um, watch a movie with my loved ones. Um, you have the whole year around to be on social media. If this is time for, I'm sure that people are having more live connections. Uh, more um, family around, more socializing the old fashion, and you have plenty of time for social media um, for the, the rest of the year. That's my my personal advice. Because uh, it can be dangerous. You can see uh, what other people are doing, and because you made some choices for yourself, you can be triggered. And why would you do that to yourself? Like. Well, I've gone off Facebook in recent uh, weeks, and the difference is just incredible. I'm back. Isn't it? I, I was off myself for yes. a few days with the family for a family trip uh, as a Christmas treat, like, mm. and uh, I found so um, so beneficial to yes. be connected in real life and to laugh, uh, to laugh from nothing. Like we were literally made out of absolutely nothing, just. To, for the sake of laughing, and that was so good. Like the the bond created uh, was amazing. Will you finally share with us your advice around the flame and the candle, or even just the fireplace? But I I love your ideas about that, Miranda. Yes. So people often are asking me um, how to meditate, and uh, sometimes the most busy we are, the most we need to meditate. It's not the other way around. I will meditate when I will have time. But around Christmas, I found um, very easy, two moments when, uh, and I love this about Irish people, they are going for their Christmas walk outdoors, even mm. though it's raining or it's uh, cold, <laughs> or, uh, dress up, wrap up, wrap up, and then go for a walk. Uh, don't put your headphones. Uh, step into that energy of the nature and 
count every step as the next one. Concentrate off the next step and say like a little, little mantra in your head one step at the time. You just teach your brain a new field. And that will apply on every other aspect in your life. So one step at the time. That's a little mantra over Christmas walk. <laughs> well, it's it's a lovely idea indeed. You know, I always feel better and more relaxed after talking to you, Samaranda. So. You always say that, Samaranda. <laughs> it's, your, it's your beautiful accent, and and it's your beautiful accent and the lovely thoughts as well, Samaranda. It's such a pleasure. Thank and a happy Christmas to you and your family. Happy Christmas to you, to, to all of you there. Thank, Thank you. you for bye having bye, me. Bye-bye, Gina. Bye-bye. It's Miranda Meyer there, holistic health coach based in Clonmel. If you want to look her up, she uh, does fantastic work indeed. We'll take a break and then we're back with farming in just a little moment's time. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Time to talk farming. Glad to be joined by Katrina Morrissey, news editor of the Farmer's Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. The latest climate action plan, Katrina. I mean, while Leo Raghard denies it, farmers are being pushed into reducing cattle numbers, aren't they? They are, and I suppose we have spoken, Fran, about the Food Vision Reports, which yeah. have preceded this Climate Action Plan. And what I thought was notable yesterday is that while the cow reduction and cow extensification schemes that we've talked about for the suckler herd are not mentioned by name in the Climate Action Plan, they are very much in there because the report yesterday says that the recommendations of the Food Vision Reports will be mobilised in uh, quote marks. Mm-hmm. So they haven't uh, put it in black and white in this report that those reduction schemes are in, but they are very much in there. I suppose yesterday's report had both push and pull factors. Mm. So they are trying to push farmers into either reducing or getting out of livestock in some cases. And they're also trying to pull farmers into things like um, forestry, Mm. organic farming, which would be a lower um, level of intensity, um, producing feedstock for large biomethane plants and then into tillage. So all of those things combined generally reduce livestock. And how will they attract farmers or is there any detail on that in, into those uh, various projects? And this is where I suppose we as journalists and farmers get frustrated. There's lots of targets, aims, promises and talk of incentives but we have yet to see the euro figures or the you know the farmer number figures that government is thinking of. Um, the government is always at pains to say that no call, no reduction in animal numbers will be forced on farmers. And yes, that is true. But conversely, there are measures being taken both in the climate plan and in agriculture in general that will inevitably reduce um, livestock numbers. Things like the nitrates derogation pressure that's going to either reduce numbers or um, make the existing dairy production more extensive, so fewer animals per acre. Things like fertiliser reduction, mm. a big tightening of fertiliser um, planned by 2030 in this report. The biomethane plants, which is really a fast tracking of this, so Yesterday's report, I suppose the news on the bioenergy front was that they want to have 20 large biomethane plants 
constructed by 2025. Um, Stephen Robb, who is our renewables editor, says that that would require 60,000 acres of land producing silage to go into those biomethane plants. Again, there won't be many cattle on those farms. So there's lots going on there, as I say, both push and pull factors. And when will we see detail of the compensation packages, for example? That's exactly what we asked the Taoiseach, the Taunist, and uh, Green Party leader Eamon Ryan yesterday. Again, no specifics. They are saying that will be new funding. They're saying that it will be very attractive, to quote Leo Varadkar, mm. um, but no firm details. Interesting indeed. It's going to be an interesting 2023, isn't it? The Christmas dinner and and the cost of, Katrina, there's a considerable jump there, isn't there? There is a considerable jump. Overall, um, Kantar, which monitors, I suppose, um, the grocery market, um, says that overall it's gone up about 7%, so the cost of this year's dinner versus last year's dinner. That's made up of all the usual ingredients, and they've all increased by an amount, but very wide um, mm. variation. So Brussels sprouts is one of the most expensive. Um, they're gone up in cost by 65% on last year. Good God. Yeah, um, things like uh, the ham has gone up about 16%. Uh, fresh turkey all gone up by as much about 15%. So in total, um, the dinner overall has gone up by 7%. It's not surprising, Fran. I mean, the cost no. of production has for farmers and for everybody along that food chain. Things like, you know, the cost of diesel, the cost of power um, and the cost of inputs has really, really gone up in 2022. Yeah, and you're pointing out the grocery inflation and such, what is it, 14.7, is it? That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So an annual bill, they're saying, would have been about 7,000 in 2021 and that's gone up to just over 8,000. That's over 1,000 euro compared, so that's, 2022 annual growth rate bill versus 2021. Forestry uh, planting as well. Disappointing there. It's fallen short of the the target for 2022, hasn't it? Mm, Disappointing, but not surprising. Mm. Um, The government has really struggled in recent years to get anywhere near the planting targets. Um, 8,000 hectares of trees is what they wanted to have planted in the year just ending. Um, They didn't get that. They only got about 40% of it. Some of the issues there, I suppose, Fran, are the licensing problems. Mm, yeah. You know, there's a well-known licensing issue, a backlog there that the department has addressed, but it's not cleared fully yet. And then farmers very reluctant um, to go into forestry for a number of reasons. First of all, they could see the people who had planted weren't now able to harvest. So yes. why would you go into a business that you can't take your money out of at the harvest time? And then also because they knew there was a new forestry programme coming with new and better um, payments available. So they will be in place now for 2023. The government will be hoping that the target will um, be reached next year. It's a big ask, but it's all part of the Climate Action Plan as well. You know that some farmers might find it more attractive to put land under trees than under cattle. Mm. And uh, just remind me of the hold-up again, Katrina. I mean, is it that people are objecting in some way as well to to the... That was the problem, yeah. So there were a massive number of objections going in from people with environmental concerns. They all had to be assessed, naturally enough. Um, And they're really... I suppose the department had to go and get more personnel to be able to handle all of the paperwork that came with that, which the department did. They did draft in more um, inspectors is the wrong word, but more officials who could do that work, um, but not enough to clear through the backlog this year so far. 
Just finally, Katrina, a rather big statement from the European Commissioner for Agriculture. Um, he, he draws Green Deal's red line at food security. Yeah, that's right. So Noel Barden, who works with me on the news team, was in Brussels recently. He sat down with the European Commissioner for Agriculture, Wachowski, and what he said was that nothing in the cap should reduce food production, which is good news for farmers, Mm. because this is an argument they've been making for a long time, that, you know, Europe is in danger of going so far down the um, environmental and reduction of food production that they'll go down that road so far that there will actually be food shortages, there's food concerns. Um, The Ukraine war has obviously highlighted that in a big way. I think before early 2022, when Putin moved into Ukraine, food security was not high on anybody's radar, Mm. Mm. even though that is what the Common Agricultural Policy was set up to do, was to ensure food security of high-quality food. But the Commissioner is saying, if it is found that the new cap which is in force in 2022, has any impact on food security, that that is a red line, that they will make changes. Right. But is that not inevitable? I mean, if you have, you know, the emissions directive and sustainable use of pesticides and like, is that not inevitable, Katrina? It is. I suppose the Commissioner is going to look at it in the round in Europe. So in Ireland, we could be hugely disproportionately affected by, as you say, the pesticides rules. Europe is rowing back on that a bit. So there's a hope that an impact analysis will be done on the complete banning of pesticides, which was mooted. Um, And there is a hope that that will now be looked at with fresh eyes because it would be, I mean, it would be devastating for Irish farmers because it would basically make our tillage in particular, but all all management of grassland, you know, very, very difficult without pesticides. Katrina, it's always a pleasure. Happy Christmas to you and yours. And, and thank you so much for all the wonderful contributions throughout the year, Katrina. Thank you. Many happy returns, Fran. Thanks for thank having you. us on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to you now. Katrina Morrissey there, news editor of the Farmer's Journal. And the journal is on your shelves uh, right now. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 83 We're always delighted to hear from you. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now we're on air with you, of course, every weekday morning from nine. And Noel spoke to me this morning about his recent experience in trying to access health services, uh, which wasn't easy at the very least. Uh, Here's a little of what he had to say to us just after 11 o'clock this morning. I was in there back about two weeks ago, and I went to the, you know where you go to, where the waiting room door was, you go in there. And I was, I was, there was five ambulances out, out in front of me. And I overheard a fella said, it's going to be at least five hours before you be seen in the A&E. Wow. And was five it five hours. hours before you were seen? Before, well, I, I didn't bother waiting. I oh, just walked you? away again just as quick as I, as I went in there again. Right. Because I did not, I wasn't waiting five hours. I tell you, I tried to ring care doc before that. And you're waiting 45 minutes on the phone for them. 
and you cannot get a care doc at least for 45 minutes. My wife tried tried them before that. She was waiting 25 minutes. And even she hung up with that. No wonder, no wonder there's an overcrowding in E&E at the moment. It's not working because care doc doesn't answer the phones half the time. Mm. Yeah, it, it's actually, it was there back about three weeks ago. I, like, I, I have problems with the stomach and I'm, I'm an asthmatic. And I would have to go in and get a nebulizer from, uh, say, the doctor, right? Right. And you, I had to go to the front door in Clanmill to get to get a, a, a person to answer the door. She had to fill up this form. I had to wait 25, nearly 30 minutes before I could see a doctor. Yeah, and what, what do you see as a solution, Noel? Well, solution, better management. Did you ever hear the expression, too, uh, too many chiefs and not enough of Indians? And is that what you see with, with the HSE, yeah? yeah? There's one person, there's the head, head chief bottle washer up there, and there's, and she, like, she's watching the small things, mm. but she's not watching the actual A&E department. And that's Noel in full flight uh, this morning, just after 9 o'clock, 1800 Somebody pointed out that I didn't mention the answer to the theme music, and of course it was Allo, Allo. And most people are getting that right. A couple of people thought it was Bracken for some reason. No, no, no. Allo, Allo, definitely. Delighted to be joined in the studio now by Muriel Cuddy of Marito 8020, based in Clonmel. How are you, Muriel? Morning, Fran. Fly. Boy, did you get me into trouble last week. And I think you got yourself into trouble as well, uh, did listen, you? Listen, literally. Do you know what? Things that people pick up on from like <laughs> conversations that we have, I actually think like I'm doing a bit of research and I'm yes. coming up with like decent stats and decent whatever it is. And like the egg for me was one of the ones that they just came back to me, men especially with their. Right. Do you want to remind us again about the egg? Well, the egg it uh, lowers your blood pressure, increases your testosterone, lads. So like it's a no-brainer. Add anything in, forget about the chocolate, and start eating eggs. Um, were for you being slagged about that, you were? Oh, massively, massively, it, yeah. yeah. But I think um, yeah. yeah. The one I heard about all the time was the uh, after eights. Um, being what, what how many 74, cal- 74 cal- in one in yeah. one yeah. and I would say to you I would eat half the box and one sitting yeah. with a cup yeah. of coffee but anyway there you go and that brings us on mm. to maybe how much of stuff we can eat and what is the result of that and all yeah. of that do you know I wanted to go to, from the other side of it as mm. in you need to be able to eat what you like over Christmas. Okay. Like for three or four days at least. Mm. Like it's the only time of the year. We live in Ireland. We don't have the sun. So we're not down in Australia barbecuing or out in Spain or whatever it is. Yes. So yeah, take the shackles off and actually chill, right? So I was just doing, I suppose the funny side of it is in how many things can we actually eat before we put on a pound weight? Mm. So like everybody's going to put on two or three pounds over Christmas anyway, if not half a stone. Right. right. So I'm just going to run down through these. Listen, don't bombard us with phone calls after this now because this is on the funny side. So don't actually say that we're trying to be whatever, right? So you can actually have six tubes of Pringles before you put on a pound weight. Okay? Go on. Yeah. So for every day for the next six days, you can actually have a tube of Pringles before you have a pound weight on. A full tube? A now. full tube, 600 calories in a tube of Pringles. Okay. Right. So we're going on a pound weight is three and a half thousand calories. Okay. okay. So that's how many you have to eat. You can have of small right. marshmallows. By the way, we're not setting targets for no. people here. This, this is just, this is just to no, give an indication. No, you have a little notebook or you have the notes section in your phone. You can actually start <laughs> writing down like what, what, what you can add in or right. whatever. So marshmallows, you can eat 40 marshmallows. Okay, before, before you put, you put on, on a pound, a pound. weight. I think the Pringles would be better value, actually. Um, mince pies, so you can have, if you want to have them with brandy butter, you can only have seven. But if you have them without the brandy butter, you can have 12 and a half. 12 and a half to put on a pound. Yeah, to put okay. on a pound, yeah. Not right. too bad, because mince pies are kind of heavy. Mm. Trifles, so you know a proper mammy trifle, the old-fashioned yes. trifles? You can eat three and a half trifles. 
Full trifle. Full trifles. Yeah. So there's okay. thousand calories in trifles. So that's, that's quite I'm good. I'm planning my day already. Yeah. Well, you know what? People actually dig into the trifle the night before if they see it, don't they? I remember, I think at one stage it was actually hidden under the bed in our house. So the jelly was hidden under the bed or something like before, so it wouldn't be eaten. Yeah. Uh, roast potatoes. So we said that last week. That was another one I got loads of comments on. 200 calories in a roast potato. Mm. It depends how you roast them, guys. So the bigger the potato, the better. So if they're good, right. even cut like large spuds in half and do them if you put goose fat on them well then we're going from 200 calories like to a lot more so if you're using like extra virgin olive oil you can have 18 okay? 18 okay yeah. for a so pound for, for a pound right yeah. but if it's goose fat if it's goose fat then you're probably cutting that in half maybe right. about 10 yeah sausage rolls are next right so people do like this on Stephen's Day and the days, mm. days after whatever you can only have 7 there's 485 calories in a large sausage roll go on yeah Wow. Serious, does yeah? And I, I wouldn't like to think about the amount of sausage. No, I'm not going to go down the road of the, the of the. No, 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 no. But seven. Yeah, wow. bread rolls. Okay. okay. Yes. And this was actually a question, right? So, if anybody wants to contact us on this one, what do you actually like? What do you eat on Christmas Day that you only eat on Christmas Day, and you would never have any other day of the year, right? Mm. And how I'm reminded of this is because this is me. Bread rolls. So a large bread roll is 720 calories. So you can only have five. Right, which like <laughs> isn't a lot really, but I suppose is a lot. But on Christmas Day, a large bread roll, coleslaw, turkey, tomato sauce, and onions—that's my to-go to. Right, okay. I will have that. I don't ever have it at any other day of the year. And I'll also eat roast spuds like they're going out of fashion with butter. But you wouldn't eat them. Not any, any other any day other of the year. Okay. We'd yeah. love to hear from listeners on this. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. The one for me, I'd say, would be sprouts. We there probably don't don't eat them. No, well, we wouldn't much. cook them. I, I cook them you on Christmas like them. Day for my husband, but the rest of us hate them. <laughs> but he likes them. But yeah. yeah, they're cooked and they're kept away from. Well, I love them, but they have to be done to death. Okay, you know, and do you put butter on them? No, no, no. and nuts. Butter, no. and the, butter and nuts. No, just and boiled to hell so that yeah. they're real squishy. But then you've the taste gone out of them, so that's why you can eat them. <laughs> Sorry, we're very bad. Anyway, brandy butter. Um, so brandy butter, um, just like two big spoons of it or whatever, mm. has about 500 calories. Right. Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? Ice cream, three and a half tubs of ice cream, three and a half litres. For, for a pound? Yeah, for to one pound. To put on a pound? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And ice cream is a nice one over, mm. over Christmas. You okay. know, even ice cream and jelly without trifle. Like that's, that's, and even for kids, ice cream's a good one. Mm. Uh, chocolate brownie, 280. So that's like a normal size brownie. Okay. It's not too bad. Uh, Yorkshire pudding. So a Yorkshire pudding, you can have 18. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. And that's decent size. Right. Range. But of course, you're pouring gravy all over it. Well, you are. Yeah, you are. And we're not adding all these together either. So, <laughs> okay. like, just, yeah. But I'm saying what you can have every day. So, if you want to put on seven pounds, like, you can actually have a lot of food to put on seven pounds. Right. Like a bottle of wine. So, you can have, what is it? What should we say? You said 500. What, five. See how I remember that? Yeah, well done. Well yeah. Done. Yeah. So, with a bottle of wine, you can have seven, actually. Okay. Yeah. Funnily enough, I thought that. Um, a bottle of wine will be a lot more than 500. It depends, really. Red wine is probably better than white wine. Is it? Some can add yeah. up to seven and 800 calories. White wine, um, guys, is worse as in the sulfates in it just don't agree with people and they definitely don't agree with your gut. If there's I any stress like or inflammation around at all there, that's going to upset you and the sulfates will give you a pain in your head straight away and you're depressed. Yeah. Whereas red wine has antioxidants, so at least you can kind of... And do you want to talk to us a little bit about alcohol over, over the Christmas? Yeah, do well, you do you know what? Um, one of the things I did want to talk about was um, water because that's one mm. of the big things, right? So I've, I, I don't care who drinks how much alcohol over Christmas, right? Mm. But if you don't drink enough water, and you know it, people stand in the scales the day after Christmas Day and they're like, oh my God, my weight's gone up. It can go up several pounds if you're not drinking enough. So like if you're eating wrong and then you're drinking alcohol, you are dehydrating. The kidneys retain water okay. and they retain water to maintain the fluid, fluidity of the blood. So your blood has to stay 
as liquid as, as it needs to be. So the kidneys will retain as much as they possibly can. So you've less less urine forms. So you actually retain everything that's there. So that's what actually that's what happens. So you could be five or six pounds heavier, and it's not actually food. You know, it's 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 just right. that you're so again water, water, water. water so water, it's it's it? yeah, it's watch your thirst and literally yeah, drink as much water as you can. But alcohol over Christmas, yeah. Do you know what? The clear spirits are always good. Gin. Um, uh, brandy, or not brandy, sorry, what vodka. gin, rum, vodkas, yeah. things like that are always good. Your red wines are always good. Right. You're watching things. If you're out, now I know when you're home for Christmas and like we've two years of COVID that like people mm. are going to be back and you're talking about um, what um, Irish coffees and all of that kind mm. of thing, you know. Th- th- anything that has dairy in it is really going to kill you with alcohol, right? So right. that'll give you a pain in your head. So if you want to steer clear of the pain in the head, like white Russians, you know, things like that. Oh, like yeah. White Russian has like 425 calories. If you're talking about cocktails and that, like, 500, you know, for, like, martinis, mudslides, so the younger generation will know these, pina colada, like, it has 644, you know, so if you're going and out one. tonight, yeah, and you're watching these, a margarita at 740, Long Island iced tea is 760, whereas if you have a vodka, like, in tonic, you've only 50, you know, okay. if you've okay. any any of your whatever. You yeah, what, what about those little shot things, by the way? Have you any info on those? Um, I don't, except for they'll kill you. You're going to be dying the next day. So, <laughs> so just yeah, don't, yeah. don't do can't, it. I thing. can't do them, yeah. All right, literally. can we have a brief look back on what we touched on uh, during the year? I suppose the big one probably was menopause, because there seemed to be more talk about menopause this year than than I've yeah. ever remembered anyway, Muriel. And you know what? We were possibly way ahead, I think, because yeah. we were talking about menopause like... I'd say even two years ago. Mm. We've done a lot on it last year. Like, I'd done a lot on it with Ali last year. Um, and then it just kind of took mm. on a life of its own. Mm. To the extent, which is funny, I was at a match and we were in the pub after the county final and I got out of my seat to leave a guy sit down. He, he was on crutches and he said, God, Muriel, thanks very much. He said, you do know? He said, it's the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But um, it yeah. is there and, you know, the help is there. And I think it's it was really good for to lift the lid off it and actually mm. get people talking about it. And even for men to understand, because like I'm, 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 when we have the conversations now, like men actually... Um, what would you say? Are more empathetic, mm. uh, and they're actually yeah, opening the conversation. Yeah, because it was all hidden it. and never, never yes. spoken of. It was, and you know, even for women, um, they didn't realise what was wrong. Like mm. you're, you're banging in th- into things, you're dropping things. The mm. brain fog is there. They, mm. They're like flipping for no reason at all. Like mm. all the different sides, like you know, weight gain around the middle, so many different things, and it's put down to your age. Mm. When people actually um, figure out, yes, it's menopause, maybe my hormone levels aren't where they need to be. Maybe if I go on HRT or have a conversation with somebody, everything can change. And it does change, which is just like blow your mind stuff. So that was one of the big ones, yeah, last year. Mm. What, what else was there? What else did we Oh, have? Fran, there was so many. Mm. We talked about everything from stool samples to um, barbecue in your food to mm. kidney, prostate, erectile dysfunction, um, alcohol, every single side of food, good mm. fats, bad fats, uh, why do we eat fat, type 2 diabetes and the sugar side of things, the cardiac side of things. Um, oh, there was just so many. Yeah. We mm. talked about, which is a good one for Christmas, sitting um, and how long people sit for and how oh, it can yeah. increase your risk of stroke and all that kind mm. of thing and, and, and clotting and that. So you can sit for two and a half hours at a time and you're absolutely fine. Once it goes over two and a half hours, if you're heading into five hours, without now just standing and stretching and just getting off the chair or whatever, your increase of stroke can increase by up to 70%. And after that, it increases by another 40% for every two hours that you're not actually moving. So you've got to move. Your... Um, Less likely to be hospitalised if you just walk, that you're active in any way, and that's even even housework, um, by up to 34%. And we find doing the health screens that we're doing, Fran, exercise above anything else, and I know we talk about the food and that a lot, moderate exercise, 
reduces everybody's health markers like mm. significantly. Mm. And mm. that's just a walk. That's just getting out for 20 minutes. That's just that's just moving. So yeah, like, and I presume it's a good idea over Christmas where we tend to be thrown off on the couch. Do you know, we're talking about food. Eat what you like. Mm. Do all of that side of things. Get up and move around and do your walk for 20 minutes or 25 minutes. If it's down the floor with the kids or whatever it mm. is, and drink more water. And if you do things, simple things like add in, like the omega-3s. Can I talk about the omega-3s for a second? Can, yes. Right. Okay, so this is just a little bit um, of, I suppose, why I talk about omega-3s and what's in different things. So a lot of people like salmon um, over Christmas instead of like the white, the turkeys and things like that. So they're essential omega-3s in salmon are renowned for switching off hunger, singles, hunger signals, right? And they actually shrink tummy fat cells. Okay. So that's just salmon, right? Go to other ones, walnuts. So like I always say to people, put dishes of nuts around the house even along with the sweets. Dark mm. chocolate and nuts and things like that, right? So even if you pick at them, they say your appetite. But walnuts are the healthiest of the nut family. Okay, so that's important to know. Mm. We talk about olive oil and extra, extra virgin olive oil and why we'd use that. So that helps the breakdown of fat that's stored in the body. But it also makes you fuller. So if you use olive, olive oil for dipping your bread, you know, if you go to a restaurant or whatever and it's yes. some breadsticks and that, you'll actually eat 53 um, calories less per, per um, course by having um, olive oil instead of butter. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And like people don't go near it because they're looking at it and think it's know, an aisle yeah. and I shouldn't really be having an aisle and you know. But, yeah. um, and we're not used to it either. No, I think, you're not. You just, because yeah. it's an aisle you think you shouldn't dip into it. This is another one I was actually asked because I talk about coconut oil, Fran. So um, people say coconut oil is full of saturated fat, which is the bad fat. Yes, coconut oil does have 70% saturated fat, but it, it's actually a medium chain fatty acid. So that's one of the good ones, right? Mm. And it actually goes straight to the and it's immediately converted into energy. So you're actually using it and you're burning it immediately. And that's what we want from fat. We want to burn it, we want to use it as energy and we want it to sate the appetite. So coconut oil is actually one of the good ones. And then other things like we talk about almonds and the other nuts, they're full of magnesium, they're full of zinc. Okay. So they're full of the things like they give you like the cramps at night and the restless feet and all mm. of that kind of thing, you know. So instead of taking things out this Christmas, add things in. And still but, have the other stuff. Good stuff. Add some good stuff Add some in. Good stuff and even in, stuff yeah. that you wouldn't think, like butter. Here's another one with butter. Like it's um, it's omega omega threes. Yes, we talk about that. But it actually regulates the body's blood sugars. Okay, so the CLAs in it. It's a fatty acid that actually reduces belly fat and builds muscle. And we we talk about CLAs like for heart health and loads of other things as well. So it's actually in your butter. So I'm talking about full fat butter, not that hydrogenated stuff that turns mm-hmm. to oil, mm-hmm. just left out in the sun or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine was on to us. Very good question. I'm sure it's relevant to a lot of people as well, Muriel. Uh, what would be a good tonic or advice because I've been on a lot of uh, antibiotics uh, recently and uh, my, I want to get my immune system back on track. I'm sure a lot of people are in that position, you know. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't go with a tonic um, and the, the, they change all the time. I'd actually go with something more like a really good probiotic and omega-3s. Oh, when, when you say that, what do you mean? Yeah, so I'm talking about something like Super 8 or OptiBac. Like there's so many of them out there, but and there's so many different strains. When people listen to me, you'll hear me say, if you take Super 8 for a month now, that's you need to create as much good bacteria back right. in the gut that's first. That's a of capsule, all. is it? Yeah, it's a capsule. Yeah, mm. yeah. Or you can get it in a liquid form as well. Okay. But what's happened with your antibiotic is it's killed all the good bacteria that's in. Mm. So it's, it's it's went to the site of inflammation or infection and, and sorted that, but it's killed everything else that's good mm. or, or depleted it. So she needs to get that back first. She needs to inoculate as many of the uh, microbiome that's in her gut. So mm. it's a probiotic first. That's number one, right? Super 8, Udicile, um, 
up to your back, any one of them are brilliant. And after then, that then, I would look at taking things for the immune system, like vitamin C, vitamin D. Mm. This is where it comes in, like getting, I, I saw some form of blood test done. Remember we said you could yes, over supplement yeah. in that. So I think eating really well, like loads of fibre and all that kind of thing, that'll definitely that'll help. That'll do it. Okay, before yeah. I let you go, what what a year it's been for you. I mean, Marito up and running at this point. Yes. Um, it's been a great year, hasn't it? You know, it's funny. Uh, Paul, if you're listening, so Paul Gray's our lovely, our lovely painter, actually said <laughs> Hello, to me, Paul. yes, Yesterday to say something nice about him today. <laughs> so you're a great painter, Paul. Paul was actually finishing our our our, um, our walls and everything outside yesterday, and I actually said to him, "I'm so pleased to see you. You're you're brilliant to come because it's sometimes it's hard to get people back when you're at the very end." Of course, yes. Marita, it was a f- um, from where we were last year that we had a building site to where we are this year that we are, are actually in. Do you know what, Fran? I have to say, and I've goosebumps even thinking about it, the amount of people that we really need to, th- to thank, and I couldn't thank them all here, but like from Joe Mulcahy, Mulcahy Construction, Joe and Tony and Roger, the two guys that sang coming in in the mornings, literally at six or half, six or seven o'clock when we we were there. Like they just, they were just fantastic. Mm. And then everyone else that was involved from like Alan, the architect, to the engineer, Jez, there was just so many people. Yes. And I shouldn't even mention names now because... You know, course, I definitely, yes, yeah. definitely. But to take somebody, it from ground zero to where it is now, up yeah, and running yeah. as a clinic and doing extremely well. That's too, it. Yeah. And, and we're, we're flying. But you know, one of the things that was really good about the whole process or whatever, mm-hmm. we used as many local people or as many local people worked on the whole project from start to finish as we possibly could. And that's yes. one of Joe's, um, like he has all local people. And I just found that was fantastic because they had as high a standard of like, the clinic is five star. And everything, anyone that came in that was local, done it to above and beyond our expectations. So I just thought that was, you know, but we've created new jobs and we've, yeah. Obviously, you won't be able to see people until the new year, I guess, yes. uh, at Burrito. Yeah. Uh, but if people want to call and uh, make some uh, appointments, yes, they can still do that, I guess. They can still do that, yeah. they can. So it's 05261 mm-hmm. All right. Lovely to see you. Happy Christmas you and all you the do. team as well. Thanks, Thanks so much, Muriel. Uh, back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, there's no doubt there's a huge amount of Smokey fans in County Tipperary. Well, the Spirit of Smokey appearing at the Hotel Manila on Tuesday, December 27th, which is next uh, Tuesday. And joining me now, and I'm delighted to speak to him from Malta today, is lead singer Dean Barton. Dean, good morning to you. Good morning. And good to talk to you today, Dean. Uh, What's it like in Malta this morning? It's about 19 degrees. Uh, not much, not many clouds in the sky. It's lovely. <laughs> oh, it sounds ideal. I wish I could say it's the very same here, but there you go. Um, <laughs> you, you're you're no stranger to Tipperary. I think you've played in Tipperary several times, Dean. Have you? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've done the hotel Manila quite a few times, um, and it's always a great night there. Love yeah. it. Are you constantly surprised about the huge love for Smokey's music here in uh, Tipperary? Indeed, all over Ireland. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think. The smoky songs are just timeless classics, um, and it's amazing. Even now, we, you know, we do the concerts, and you can get twenty-year-olds in there, and they're all singing along to the choruses. Yeah, uh, it's just been passed through the generations. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we we love touring Ireland. We're also quite busy touring uh, 
Europe, you know, Germany, Scandinavia throughout the year. Yeah, it's it, it's incredible. I mean, where, whenever we party here in Ireland, there's always a, a smoky song or two. And of course, <laughs> needless to say, Alice gets an airing all of the time. I mean, were you taken aback with, with our response to Alice here? Um, no, the response is always great. And uh, yeah. like I said, there's, there's no people at parties like the Irish. Um, we absolutely love coming over. But yeah, uh, all the big hits that we'll, we'll be playing, uh, like Don't Play a Rock and Roll to Me, If You Think You Know I Love Me, or Carol, and of course, Alice. Absolutely, yeah. Now, your dad, uh, the late Alan Barton, was, of course, yeah. former frontman of uh, Smokey, and sadly, That's he, right, he yeah. died in a road accident. Yeah, they were on tour. I think they were going, they were going back to the airport. This is back in um, March 1995, and um, there was a freak storm. The bus crashed, and sadly, my dad lost him. his fight for life. Um, yeah, so this obviously a very difficult time, but he joined Smokey in 1986, my dad, um, after Chris Norman left. Yes. And, and before that, he was in Black Lace. So remember the, the party songs I could do, Superman? I remember, <laughs> I remember it so well. Would you believe in the bands that I used to play, we played Support Act to, uh, to Black Lace many, many oh, wow. years ago, just outside of Cashel, can you believe, here in Tipperary as well. So there's a bit of a link up well, there for you uh, yeah, as well. Nice. Um, so tell me about coming on board then, you to sing, I suppose, the, 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 the part that your, your dad did for so yeah. many years. Well, what happened was... Um, shortly after my dad passed away, Alan Silson, he was the original lead guitarist of Smokey. He yes. left the band probably about 12 months after my dad passed away. And then he went on to, um, to form a band called the Alan Silson Band with Graham Kearns and Andy Whelan, who were in spirit of Smokey. Uh, the idea was that I would join the Alan Silson Band as lead singer. Um, but I think Alan had had enough of touring, so he decided to, to split the band up. Um, and then we were doing a memorial concert for my dad um, and a lot of my dad's old musician friends was there present and after the show they said it was almost like the spirit of Smokey was in the room tonight um, so we said well let's let's use that as the name and let's start gigging you know let's start touring that was about 14-15 years ago now and uh, strength to strength since uh, I, I love one description I was reading of your voice and it's very apt indeed it, it's like it's soaked <laughs> in whiskey and honey and it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you sound remarkably uh, like did, your dad in fact <laughs> yeah, there's certain songs uh, in particular that that we do sound very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, do you still get a kick out of it all? I mean, do you still. I mean, you're you're doing the hits every single night. I mean, do you still enjoy it? I do. I really do enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, we look unfortunate, really, that you know the guys in the band. We all get on really well. There's never, you know, there's no, there's no, never no drama, no egos, and we just do it. We love travelling. We have a great time. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't see me getting tired of it anytime soon. Well, we're all delighted to, to hear that. So you're making your way to the Manila Hotel here in Clonmel on Tuesday next, December uh, 27th. And I know the tickets are available at the moment, either at the hotel reception or indeed online, ticketstop.ie. The doors will open there at 8pm. The show will start at 9 and it will be a superb night and some great memories will be made, I'm sure, in Manila as well. It was lovely to talk to you, Dean, and uh, take care of yourself and uh, Enjoy yep. your trip to Ireland. Will do, man. Thank you very much. All right. Take Cheers. good care of yourself. Bye bye. You know. Bye bye. Many, many happy returns to you. That's uh, Dean Barton there of Smokey. Will we give you a little, a little flavour of Smokey back in the day?
There's a memory and a half. Lay back in the arms of someone you love from uh, Smokey. So Spirit of Smokey, Anthony Manila, next Tuesday, December 27th. And again, tickets are €30. They're available from the reception or indeed online. Ticketstop.ie. And Kitty sent us a gorgeous photograph, in fact, on uh, WhatsApp of herself and some of the Smokey boys from uh, a gig they did in the Premier Hall in Thurless some years ago so we're bringing back some sweet memories indeed. Martin was on to have a go at farmers and he says do farmers not realise that they are the main cause of biodiversity loss and it's getting worse the main reason the intensive dairy is uh, they are making a lot of money according to David Attenborough he says that we have to eat more plant based food, consume less dairy and beef. He also says we need to bring back the wild and there are farmers now getting into dairy um, for all of the money. One disease in dairy and we would all have famine says Martin who's cheering us all up this Christmas time and he said all the eggs in one basket support organic and bring back the wild well I suppose it probably heartened you to see then that yesterday in the climate action plan there was much talk I suppose of uh, probably new farming I suppose over the uh, coming years even though as we heard from Katrina um of the Farmer's Journal earlier on. Farmer's not at all happy with that. All right, we need to take a break. We have some live music in studio for you then. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. It's, it's a bit late in the day. I'm just looking at the screen here. There's a row starting between um, the people who are not farmers and farmers. Uh, so I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get back to it. We will get back to that row, we promise. Now, Gay Brazel was in studio with us recently to launch the folk-style version of Fairy Tale of New York for the Lions Club uh, Food Appeal in Carrick. I'm delighted to say he's back and he's joined by Maria O'Shea Enright who shares vocals on that track. And good morning to you both and great great to see you as well. Good, morning, good to see morning, you, Maria, as well. Um, how is the track going, by the way? Because uh, you did launch it in here and, uh, yeah. Yeah, going very well, yeah. Fran. Um, and it's only in the last week or so that uh, they sorted out the online digital version. Yes. So that's going well if people want to donate and want to pick it up for their phones or their iPads. Uh, just go to Lions Club, Carry Gunshore, and it's in the Lions Club website there, a link that will bring them down to be able to uh, contribute five euro or whatever. They Very good. And you, you were saying, Gay, that it's, it's needed more than ever now funds for it really Lions is. Club, isn't it? It really yeah. is, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of calls on people... Uh, this, every chair, I mean St Vincent de Paul and lots of others too. Yeah, all doing fantastic work as well. To, yeah. uh, Maria, it's lovely to meet you. I haven't met you before. Nice T- to tell meet me, you, tell me about your singing, Maria. Um, well, I would have done a few gigs with Gay in Faheen. I'm from Faheen, mm-hmm. and uh, regular at the Wednesday night session uh, there back when it was Flemings and in Kiever's and uh, just various different bits and pieces. I always sing at uh, Watty Dunphy's opening concert for the Clancy Festival in Brewery Lane and yeah. during the summer I was lucky enough to play with Gay and uh, Martin Murray in the Beat Goes On um, mm-hmm. concert that they ran in Carrick. So that's how myself and Gay started playing together. Linda Fahey sort of paired us together and um, so really enjoyed that it went well very good was it always folky stuff uh, folky country stuff was it yeah I think so really um, 
yeah, kind of grew up on a diet of Luke Kelly and that kind of thing Did at you? home. Yeah. So, yeah. but have a bit of a guilty pleasure of the old country music as well. <laughs> yeah, it comes through every now and then. And um, yeah. yeah, so um, folky music, really, yeah. Very good yeah. indeed. All right, and uh, you delighted to see you both have your instruments with you and you're going to do something, a couple of things live for us maybe. Uh, interesting instrument you have with you, Gay, the, the dobro. I have the do- the frying pan with the strings on it, Fran. <laughs> someone described one. It's we're, a beautiful instrument. Yeah, though, we were it? down in Wexford one night when I was with Isla Grant and this guy came up during the interval and he came up to me in, in a good, strong Wexford land. Mary Oster, what class of a York is that? He said. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people look at it and they say, why are you not playing it the regular way? And I said, look, it's just different. <laughs> it's probably closer to the, the, the steel, isn't it? Is, it? I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably what it is. Yeah. They were around the before the steels. Were they? They were, yeah. 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 1928, yeah. yeah. The, the first Dobros were made. Terrific instrument yeah. altogether. What, what are you going to do? You're going to do something live for us? What, what we're going to do a song called Peace in This House, which okay. uh, I picked up on um, the soundtrack of that Jesse Buckley film Wild Rose which if anyone's looking for a good movie for over Christmas yeah. so uh, it was originally released by Winona and um, I just love it it's kind of become my my mantra um, as a mother of two young children I suppose and this time of the year especially to remember peace at home is an important message. Isn't it just, isn't yeah. it just indeed looking forward to this guys in, in your own time Hey kids, turn off the TV your mama look at you and you and you your beautiful faces I want to keep safe as long as I can I'm telling you right now it's gonna be peace in this house it's gonna be peace in this house gonna be some tender
So let's all be patient Let's all play nice Cause everyone's gonna get A little slice of this pie There's gonna be peace in this house There's gonna be peace in this house Gonna be some tender talking And some sweet little nothings That add up to the some things we can't live without Peace in this house Some belief in this house Every good thing That ever happened Happens from the inside out I'm telling you now It's gonna be peace in absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's such a treat. And that's uh, Maria O'Shea Enright there along with uh, Gay Brazil on, on uh, Dober. It's such a beautiful song, isn't it? Um, yeah. Have you recorded that? No. No. Um, no, we haven't. No. Um, yeah. I was just sort of fooling around with it at home for the longest time and I just ran it by Gay um, and sure. we decided to do it for Piltown. We did a concert actually right. in yeah. St. Paul's Church in Piltown a couple of weeks ago. And um, yes, yeah, so we just kind of got it together for that, didn't it's we? Yeah. yeah, it's on the bucket list for, for this. It year must be. I, I thought it might be all right. It's yeah. ideal for Dobro, isn't it? It's yeah, just it is, gorgeous yeah. in it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Lovely yeah. songs that just fits into, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, you mentioned Wynona. Uh, who else were you listening to, Maria? I mean, who who do you listen to? Mm, um, very broad, I suppose, yeah, is it? Yeah, very broad. I mean, like, uh, like you know, my kids are all into Guns N' Roses and Metallica, so that's what's coming up on my Spotify playlist at the moment. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love um, Queen. I love... You know, then all of the old stuff. You mm. know, I mm. love the Clancy's. Um, you know, the Dubliners. I'm going to see Damien Dempsey in Vicker Street tonight. Um, you know, I love Irish music. Yeah, Van Morrison. Um, but when it comes to singing, it's largely from the folky end of things. It is. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, you know, um, I suppose a lot of the time I get my songs from, you know, somebody in my family will pick up a song and they'll say, you know, you should give this one a go. You know, I sang that Bobby Gentry song, the Tallahatchie Bridge. Oh, at that's the, a great um, song. Yeah, yeah that was great something song. that my brother and my dad suggested I sing maybe 
15 years ago I'd never heard of it and then I just love it so yeah, yeah. it's a most unusual song isn't it it's you a know, great it's story an yeah. incredible song yeah. altogether yeah and and Gay I mean you, I could hear you in any sort of genre I mean oh, you well. you do everything as you <laughs> think you mentioned Isla but I mean Tweed the backyard band and so it's everything yeah. from rock to folk to country to whatever. yeah it's just kind of a, a, a very mixed up uh, yeah fan, always was <laughs> <laughs> but you like it like that though don't you I do yeah. really yeah, yeah. um yeah, diversity and variety in life, yeah. Yeah, because an awful lot of people would see you as the big guitar hero with the boys and, oh. you know, and the amp cracked up and all, all cranked up and, and, and here you are with, you know, well, lovely gentle I instruments. Just the, the acoustic side of things. Yeah. And it was late and my first guitar was an electric guitar. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. An Eggman, yeah. So it was later you got into the, uh, was, the acoustic? Yeah, instrument. much later. Isn't I didn't incredible? even have an acoustic until... I started doing a bit of work with my good friend Des Carson in the studio in, in Carrick and he said, well, you know, you'll need an acoustic for these rhythm tracks. Yeah. So then I went down the road of acoustic and then I kind of, I was playing a bit of steel, lap steel, and that brought me to the dobro. Mm. And uh, yeah, sure. Um, once I started playing the dobro, it was a kind of, a, a, I, had to, I had to stay at it. Yeah, it's such a beautiful instrument. But it, it's a difficult instrument to play, isn't it? Because yeah, it's a the, the old ear has to be fairly... Yeah, well, we hope <laughs> some of the time. <laughs> Will you do something else live for us? Will you do, do something else? Yeah, we were thinking about doing Summerfly. Oh, lovely, yeah. yeah. It's a Charlie McGilligan song, is it? Or is Tom Moore's song, is it? I'm not... Uh, well, Maura O'Connor yeah, yeah. had she, it with the, um, the Woman's Heart. Yes, yeah, she, I think yeah. I think it's Charlie McGilligan's song. Is it? But, yeah. yeah, in your own time, it's a great song. And again, great for, for, for Dobro. She writes it, I think. No. No, no, no I don't think not? so. No. no. Okay, no. we'll have to check that one out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want...
Absolutely gorgeous. Such a great song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely mighty indeed. Remind us again about Fairy Tale of New York because uh, people can still pick it up, can't they? Yeah, can they yeah. can, yeah. Um, the download version is available. And there are still some some uh, CD ver- uh, copies with Linda at the Tudor Artisan Hub and OK Sports with Shane O'Keefe there in Carrigan-Shore and also Sarah and the girls, Helen and the two Helens and Irene in Solera Viva, I think. Uh, they have copies as well. In Carrick as well. But you can get it online if you go to the Lions Club, Carrigan-Shore, and they have a website and there's a link there that will bring you all the way to... Right, uh, and all proceeds to their food appeal as, as well, Gay. Yeah. What are you looking forward to for the new year, Bria? Are you... Uh, are you going to record some more or have you gigs planned or how's it working out? We've been toying with the idea. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's something that's been in the back of my head for a long time. Hmm. Uh, Terry Flynn's been encouraging me to do it for years. So now that I'm in cahoots with gay, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> it might come to pass. But, yes. uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yes, I'm sure it will indeed, and we look forward to hearing it as well. It's lovely to see you both, and thanks for the treat of some decent live music in studio as well. It's lovely, thank lovely you to see very you much both. So thanks to Gay, and thanks to uh, Maria. We're going to leave with uh, their version of Fairy Tale of New York, and this is the big fundraiser for Lions Club in Carrick. So happy Christmas to you both, and thanks very Christmas much indeed. Uh, we're going to leave you with this, so thanks to Emma who produced, Ali looks after our content, Stephen is on the way, and I will talk to you tomorrow for our final gig before Christmas. Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk time, an old man said to me, won't see another one, and then he sang his song, the rare old mountain dew, I turned my face away, and dreamed Years for me and you. So happy Christmas. I love you, baby. I can see a better time when all our dreams come true. Pretty, pretty.
and I to a swing, all the dogs they were singing. We kissed on the corner and danced through the night. And the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay. And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day. Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 